Praise God. Love you guys. Uh, please go to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. You know, the divorce rates are through the roof in our nation right now. It used to be illegal to get a divorce in our country, believe it or not. Ronald Reagan, uh, who was conservative in some areas, uh, passed the, uh, you know, basically, you know, no-fault divorce law here in California. Then it spread throughout the nation. He said that was his biggest mistake that he had ever made, Ronald Reagan. That was when, uh, when he was governor here, and it spread throughout the uh, country. And the scriptures warn against, you know, divorce and so forth, and it does allow grounds for divorce in severe cases. But did you know there's a great divorce coming up? And it's a great divorce between God and us, humanity. Not just humanity, I should say the Christian church. Not all Christians, but many professing Christians will be part of that great divorce. And we've done a series of messages, and they're all uplifting. They're all encouraging lately about the bridal city, amen, uh, and how there's this, you know, three messages on how there's a picture throughout the, the Scripture, Old and New Testament, where the Lord is the groom and that the church is his bride, amen, and that he has his bridal city described in Revelation 21 and 22, which we're studying right now, and that as a Christians, we're going to be there with him forever. Amen? And we like to go deep in the word. So I know we've been, this is four messages in the first verse, or first couple verses, uh, but we'll pick it up as, uh, as we get through this little series. This is the last one in that series. This could be called, you know, the Bridal City, you know, part four. Uh, the title I've given it is The Coming Great Divorce, uh, because I said, you know, there's more I wanted to say, but it was kind of it's, it connects to those last messages. We are the bride of Christ. But the Lord warns of the fact what happens with regard to brides and grooms, there's divorces that can take place, and he warns about them. And the scriptures are very clear in Jeremiah chapter 3 that God was divorced. God's a divorcee. That's what the scriptures teach. Because he had an unfaithful people to him that refused to come back to him. And according to Jeremiah chapter 3, he gave them a writing of divorcement because they refused to come back and in righteousness and in repentance and so forth. And there's a picture going on there and their divorce came in the context of apostasy, came in the context of falling away uh, from the Lord. And the, and the Lord tells us again in, our, in scripture that in the, in the New Testament, under the new covenant, that another great divorce is coming and you must be on your guard that you're not part of that great divorce and you miss out on the eternal bridal city and are cast into outer darkness forever and ever. And Revelation chapter 21 and 22 talks about this bridal city, but also shows us that you must make a choice to be part not only of the Lord's bride, but you must also continue in the faith and not commit apostasy, not turn away uh, from the Lord. Now, if we could pick it up again at Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 and 2, the apostle John writes, By the power of the Holy Spirit, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There is no longer any sea. So this is after the millennium, in the thousand-year reign of Christ. This is after Satan is let loose for a short time, all talked about in Revelation chapter 20. After the great white throne judgment, right? Uh, where the wicked, we've already been resurrected at Christ's second coming just before the millennium. The, the, Christ, you know, second coming inaugurates the millennial kingdom and we're caught up to meet him in, in the air. Amen. The dead in Christ rise first and then we who are alive 
we uh, are changed and we meet them in the air and then Christ touches down with us on the Mount of Olives and then there's a transformation of the topography and so forth. Mount of Olives splits and two, water comes forth through it. There's this huge earthquake at the very end we read about in scripture and uh, we will reign with him for a thousand years. But after that thousand years, Satan's lived for a short time. Uh, we're not going to go into the detail of all that, the great white throne judgment, then all the wicked Hades and, and, and death, you know, uh, the oceans, they give up their dead. There's this resurrection of the wicked. The resurrection of Jesus in, in John chapter 5, verse 28, 29. Um, Daniel and Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 talks about a resurrection of life and a resurrection of contempt. If you look at those verses, 28 and 29 of Matthew 5, and if you look at uh, the verses in chapter 12, or I should say John chapter 5, 28 and 29, and Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, you might think that those two things happen at the same time because it talks about both of them side by side. Get last Wednesday's message. Try not to make miss Wednesday night. You miss a whole lot, man. That was a really deep message where we showed a bunch of scriptures where it might look like two things are happening at the same time, but we showed other scriptures that show they're divided often. And this is one of the things that we saw that's divided is the resurrections. But then after the wicked are sentenced to the lake of fire, verses 11 through 15 of Revelation chapter 20, then the very next verse you read is, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Because he's going to cause a dissolution of, a dissolution of the cosmos. And a, a universal a meltdown of the universe where all the elements are melted in fervent heat. And that's part of the day of the Lord. Because Peter said, we're looking forward. The Lord's going to come like a thief. And the day the Lord comes, he says, there's going to be this, this, this everything, everything's going to melt down with fervent heat. It's this cosmic meltdown. And when we study that in the book of Revelation, or I'm sorry, last Wednesday night, we talked about that. And we talked about how that begins at Christ's second coming, but the ultimate, the meltdown takes place at the end of the millennial period. And that the day of the Lord is a literal day in one sense. When he comes back, it's as days. But it's also a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a, a day. It also represents uh, not just the, the Lord's wrath coming on that day, but we looked at three different passages which suggest that the millennial kingdom and Christ's reign is part of the day of the Lord because the day of the tribulation, right? That'll be the day of man, 666, the mark of the beast. The day of the Lord is when the Lord reigns, amen? But here, praise God, we enter into, and I... And I'd be tempted to go through all these different scriptures really, really quick on this relationship we have with Jesus and how he's got to prepare a place for us as the bridegroom, even as the bridegrooms in those days would prepare a place uh, in their father's house uh, for the bride and all those different things. We don't have time to get in that because I want to get another scripture. But know this, we've been studying that, but there's also the warning that there can be a divorce. God doesn't want a divorce. God hates divorce. Malachi chapter 4, amen? Chapter Two and four talk about, I'm sorry, the apostasy and so forth in regard to Israel. And we read in verses one and two, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a what? Bride for her husband. Amen. Wow. That's just so beautiful. In verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. Amen. Which is an amazing thing. I kind of tripped out when Jevin, at the end of his prayer, he was talking about how, Lord, you showed us how much you love us, you know, uh, by, by, you know, coming to us and so forth. And I thought, wow, that's a lot of my message. Because the best way not to fall away, 
one of the best ways is to recognize how much he loves us, amen? And, and also to fear him and understand the judgment that's to come. So two huge things to keep in mind. And I want this to be a message of warning, of course, but also of great encouragement. Uh, because, you know, when you recognize that the Lord has called you into this relationship with him, and our relationships with one another, if you're married, is supposed to be a picture of that. And this will hopefully encourage you along those lines as well. But guess what? He tells them he's going to create this new heaven and new earth. He gives them this great promises. Look at verse 6. Then he said to me, it is done. I am Alpha and the Omega. What's done? Making the new heaven and new earth. The beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. And we're going to study that when it come, we come there. So we don't have time to really get into that right now. But look at verse 7. He who overcomes will inherit these things. Well, what's he descri- he's describing every tear being wiped away and everything else, which I'm skipping those verses because we're going to be going through those verse by verse. Uh, next time we get together, hopefully we'll be going through those or the next time or the time after that, uh, coming up pretty soon. Uh, he who overcomes will inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. Now, how do you overcome? Revelation 12, 11 defines what overcoming is in the book of Revelation. And they overcame him, that is the devil, by three things it mentions. By the blood of the lamb. Amen. That's the ground of our victory is Jesus' death on our behalf, the gospel. Amen. And, but he died for everybody. So the blood of the lamb is critical, but also the next thing. Amen. The word of their testimony. Amen. The word of their testimony. Their testimony, their faith in Christ, their, their, their confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. And number three, they did not love what? Their lives even unto death. A lot of you guys have that memorized. That's great. They continued in the faith until the very end. That's how they get victory. So for those who overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and don't love their lives even when faced with death, they die even as martyrs, you know, or they don't, just don't deny the faith when, until the point they die, uh, they will inherit all these things. Every tear will be wiped away. Isn't that awesome? You looking forward to that time? Anybody looking for that time where there's no more tears, no more hardship, no more mourning, no more pain? I sure am. But verse 8, but for the who? But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is a, a list of the damned, okay? And when we get to this verse, we'll look at each word, each Greek word and so forth and dissect it. Who's going there, you know? But I want you to just pay attention for a moment. We won't get real deep into this word here. I've done some word studies on this one because look who heads up the list of the damned. Who's the first one? Who are the first ones on the list? Verse 8, but for the cowardly, okay? The cowardly. And it's old, according to A.T. Robertson, the greatest Greek scholar that America has ever produced. Uh, He's been dead for a few years now with the Lord. Uh, He points out that this is an old Greek word that refers to recanting your faith under persecution. This word has to do, what does it mean to be cowardly? It means to recant your faith when you're being persecuted. And contrast that with verse 7. He who what? Overcomes. Which includes keeping the faith to the end. But for the next verse, cowardly, those who recant their faith, and fear man more than God, they're going to the lake of fire. So brothers and sisters, you know, if you're visiting today, guess what? You're like, what did I walk into? You walked into the word of God, man. 
You didn't walk into platitudes and feel good message. You walked, we're about the truth, amen? And wherever, the, we, we preach it right off the page, you know? Right off what Jesus said, because we're supposed to, the Bible says, consider the goodness and the severity of God, amen? We're supposed to preach the whole word of God. The Bible warns, Paul talked about in Acts chapter 20. He said, I'm free from the blood of all men, meaning God's not gonna, I'm not gonna have the blood of any man on my head because I preach repentance, he said. He says, and I did not fail to declare the entire counsel of God. So we need to be preaching the full counsel of God, amen? The goodness, as Paul said, and the severity of God, Romans chapter 11, verses 18 through 22. There's one lawgiver, James says, that's able to save and to destroy, amen? 1 John 4, 8, 1 John 4, 9, God is love. Hmm. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29, God is a consuming fire, amen? And if you're just hearing one side of that, you don't have a balanced church, and most people are only hearing one side of it you know? And praise God, we need to preach the full counsel of God. But it's interesting here because there is going to be a great divorce coming up. There is going to be a falling away. And the book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible, and it deals with that last period of time, Daniel's 70th week, right? And in Daniel's 70th week, there is what's contained also within it, the great apostasy, a great falling away. And this is highlighted here to let us know that there's going to be a lot of cowards who turn their back on Jesus during times of persecution. Now, most Christians who are hearing messages today in the tens of thousands of churches throughout the country, uh, and including here, don't think they're going to be one of those who fall away. Don't think they're going to be divorcing God. But guess what? Most people, when they get married and they step up to the altar, they don't think I'm going to get divorced in a year. I'll be divorced in three years. Very few, if any, actually think that. And whoever thinks that when they're getting married, it's why are you getting married then? It's ridiculous. So the Bible says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. If you think, hey, I'm too brave to fall, well, who seemed like the toughest, bravest apostle of Jesus? Peter? Everybody says, Peter? Amen, I'll deny you, Lord, but I'll never deny you. Denied him three times. Okay. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Okay? These are very, very important scriptures that we need to keep to our heart. That way, I mean, why do you think after Peter said that to Jesus and put his word above Jesus' word who said you're going to fall away, why do you think he kept falling asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus said pray that you don't enter temptation, the spirit's willing but the flesh is weak? Why do you think he kept falling asleep? Because he had confidence in his flesh. The apostle Paul says we put no confidence in the flesh. Amen? Our confidence must be in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the scriptures say for sure that there'll be this great falling away. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, okay, in verse uh, 3, the scriptures say, let no one deceive you in any way, right? For it goes on to say, and I usually, I usually quote it, but it says, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction. That day, when the Lord comes to gather us up, the rapture, which he mentions in verse one, just before this, is not going to come until two events happen first. We know that the rebellion and the Antichrist is revealed in the temple. Even though we know the church has it backwards right now, right? So much the church thinks, oh no, the rapture happens, and then the falling away, and then the Antichrist. It's like, well, how can there be a falling away after the rapture if everybody was just raptured? There's nobody to fall away. You know, it doesn't make any sense. But here, Paul makes it really clear, the order. It's really clear, but it's important. I'm not going to 
emphasize that. We know, many of us know that. We've talked about this a number of times. But understand this. He says, the rebellion will come first. If you have a King James Bible or New King James, what does it say there? Anybody have a King James or New King James? Okay. What it's got? We got there, Rob. I know what you got, but I want to hear it. Yell it out. You can admit you still have a King James, bro. This guy has a great translation. The fallen away. Translates the fallen away. Amen. And the Greek word is apostasia. Can you say that word with me? Apostasia. See, you know some Greek, man. Apostasia. It says, unless the apostasia comes first. Okay? Someone want to say, oh, the apostasia, that, that must mean, maybe the word apostasia means the rapture. Wrong. That word, that word apostasia is not used of a physical movement for hundreds of years before and after it's used right here. In, in that, that particular verb. Not, it's not you, or that particular, I'm sorry, that particular uh, Greek word in the tense it's in. Mm. It's only used one other time back, actually, in the New Testament. Guess where it's used? In the book of Acts. I think it's chapter 21, around verse 21, where it says Paul was being accused because many were becoming Christians, and the Jews were accusing him of causing them to commit apostasia away from the law of Moses. But Paul was saying, hey, Jesus is the Messiah. This is the new covenant that was promised in the Old Testament. It's not apostasia. But it's used of a religious defection, a spiritual defection in the book of Acts chapter 21. That's how it's used here. Because the order here is exactly how Jesus gave it as well. Remember the disciples wanted to know what would be the sign of his coming the end of the age? Right? What did he say? People's love would grow cold. They'd hand, they'll hate you. He said there'll be false Christ and false prophets, right? Earthquakes, you know, things of that nature. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. These are the being of birth pains. But he said this. He said, you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. That doesn't happen if everybody's enraptured. <laughs> At the beginning of the tribulation, does it? But there's a lot of Christians here, obviously. The church, he never speaks of being caught up right there. He warns them that you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. And they'll deliver you up to kill you. Okay? And he says, many will what? Fall away. Look at it. Go to Matthew chapter 24. Let's look at the first verses there before we move on. So you really have an understanding that there is this great divorce coming up. Verse 4, and he answered when they asked about the timing of his coming, the end of the age and so forth. And when will these things be? Because he also talked about the destruction of the temple happening first. And Jesus said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. The very first thing he warns them about is spiritual deception, you guys. Amen? That's why you have to test everything. You have to test everybody and anything, including and especially your own pastor. Okay? If that's who's spiritually teaching you, you want to make sure it's according to the word. Amen? But anything, any books that you get, especially books that become popular. You know? There's all these popular books out there that are so misleading right now. There's a book called The Jesus Calling. And I thought that was, you know, passe. I saw CBD, Christian Book Distributors Catalog, which I hadn't looked at in a few years, actually. I said, hey, Lisa, don't throw that catalog away this time when it comes. I want to see what, I haven't looked at that catalog for some time. Uh, and, you know, I think it was first couple pages. Right, first page, second page, I'm seeing Rick Warren's The Purpose Driven Life. You know, like, oh, Lord, you know. And then the next page, oh, different versions for kids, everything else, the Jesus calling, where the lady says that she channeled a, this new message from Jesus, okay? And anybody who says that they're getting new revelation and putting it on par with Scripture, that's a false prophet, okay? doesn't mean God can't speak to us. 
He can't. The, James says, if you, know, you lack wisdom, ask the Lord. In chapter one and chapter four, he says, if you're going to consider moving, don't just move. Say, if it be the Lord's will, you're supposed to seek the Lord. Amen. The Lord speaks to our hearts, but he never contradicts himself. Amen. You need to test everything, anything, any kind of vision or anything, any dream you have. Don't just say, oh, it must be from the Lord. I had a dream. No, it could be too much pizza. It could be because you're really busy. It could be from a demon, or it could be the Lord. But you want to test everything by the word of the Lord. Amen. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Why would people be frightened at that time when all that's going down? Could be because they've been told that God would never let you go through that. He'll take you before that goes down. No, Jesus knows what's coming. He knows that a lot of people are not going to be ready. So he says in verse 7, for nation will rise against nation. And that in the Greek is ethnos, ethnos against ethnos. Ethnic group against ethnic group. Have we been seeing that lately? What has been the, the, the left media, you know, been promoting? Mainstream media been promoting ethnic hatred between people, fanning the flames of it. It's wicked, man. As Christians, we of all people recognize because we, all, we believe everyone's created in the image of God, amen? We believe Jesus died for everyone, amen? We don't believe that any one people group is more important than others to him, and we love one another no matter what shade of skin you are, amen? In fact, I'm one of those guys that likes to get in the sun to try to get darker, you know? Praise God for the summertime, amen? I'm saying that because you're in my mind. Jevin's like, man, I got here just enough time. He lives in Washington. It rains all the time. He goes, man, I want to get a t- good tan. You got a good tan, bro, you know? Two hours? Praise God, man. <laughs> Amen. In the tanning machine or in the sun? Yeah, sun's way better, bro. You know? So he, th- these things are going to go down. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. In various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. It's just the beginning. You know? And people are going to be frightened to freak out. He says, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Because you know what Jeremiah said when things were getting tough and there was apostasy going on then? And there were false prophets around and the Babylonians were starting to invade. He said, if you can't stand with the foot soldiers, how are you going to stand in the thickets of the Jordan with, when, when the horsemen are there? It's gonna get, there's wild animals there. There's lions. There's, how are you going to stand then? Meaning right now is the time to get stronger. And allow the Lord to use the trials in your life to strengthen you. If you say, oh, you know what? I feel a concern. Well, that's normal. That's why these things are written. We go through things. It's like, whoa. That's all of us to a degree, right? You're not human if you're not moved at all when crazy things go on. But you need to make sure you have the right reaction. Say, what does the Lord say? What do I do in this instance? How do I grow? Amen. Because it's going to get tougher. Because look at verse 9. Then they will deliver you to tribulation. Now, if he's talking, I know exactly who he's talking to because Mark 13 gives the same discourse and it specifies the names. Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Peter, James, John, and Andrew? Were they leaders of non-believing Jews? No, they were leaders of who? What? The church. They're commanded, whatever Jesus commands them here, he tells them later, a few chapters later in 28, 18 through 20, to teach whatever I've commanded you to the disciples that you make from the nations. This is supposed to be taught to us. What? Look at verse 9. Then they will deliver you. That's a personal, plural pronoun. Not just Peter, James, not just Peter, not just James. Peter, James, John, Andrew, and the believers that they represent. Then they'll deliver you to tribulation. And will what? Kill you, okay? Does that mean every 
Christian will be killed during the tribulation period? No, because you need to get, you know, read the details because even at the end of this chapter, at the end of chapter 24, you see that there will be people alive at his second coming, believers, okay? Also, we know in Isaiah chapter 24 and 25, the Lord says, when his wrath is falling, he says to some people, he says, go into your houses, close the door until my indignation is passed and I will pass over you. Kind of like the Passover. And the Passover that happened in the book of Exodus where the death angel passed over them. Remember that? He, was, he said he would, in chapter 7, verse 5 of Exodus, he said, I'll stretch forth my hand and deliver my children from Egypt. And, and the, the Egyptians, he says, will know that I am the, I'm the true God. Amen? And in chapter 12 of Exodus, verse 12, he says this. He says that he will execute judgment on the gods of Egypt. Okay? And he did. If you look at all 10 plagues, each one of those plagues was directed at a god that they worshipped to show them not to put their trust in those gods. Amen? It's pretty heavy, you know, from the, uh, you know, the first God, you know, they worshiped the Nile and the, the God of the Nile and to the last God, you know, Pharaoh killed his firstborn, you know, the God before that, darkness is over uh, the, the earth, you know, and they worshiped Ra, you know, who was the, the creator for them. Uh, or uh, they also worshiped Horus, who was also the sky god, but it became dark. In fact, the sun, the one eye that they use in the occult today comes from the eye of Horus, and the sun was supposed to be his eye, and the moon was supposed to be his moon. His, his other eye, his right eye was the sun, his left eye was the moon, and God's saying, no, Horus, Ra, they're not God. I'm the one true God. Amen? And he, darkness was over them, and then he was showing that he is the one true God. You know, I could take you through all 10 of those plagues, you know, because each one of them represents a God. And God's saying, no, I'm in control of everything. I created everything. I'm the one that gives you life. But you're following these demon gods instead. And it's important that we understand that we're to seek him. And God will protect. God protected them on, during the 10th plague. Amen. Because they had the blood of the Passover lamb, which is the form of a cross. And the death angel went right over. We're not appointed to God's wrath. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. That's good news. Amen. And he protected them, the Jews, the Hebrews, in the land of Goshen. He protected them during that plague in the land of Goshen, you guys. And in the book of Revelation, he's called the Lamb more than he is in Exodus. And in the rest of the Bible put together, Jesus referred to as the Lamb of God in the book of Revelation to emphasize his protection of us during that time from divine wrath. When people say, oh, we got to get raptured, because otherwise we'll suffer the wrath of God. Well, did they get raptured in Egypt, the Jews? No, he protected them by the blood of the lamb. And the lamb's blood wasn't even shed until the 10th plague. And he still protected them. Amen. And the, the blood of a lamb, the blood of lambs that represented Jesus, the blood of the lamb of God was sacrificed for us. Amen. And that's very important that you understand that. That Jesus was sacrificed for us. And by the way, it also says, you know, in Revelation chapter 13, verses 5 through 8, those who are to be killed with the sword will be killed with the sword. That's going to happen to many people. Those who are to, those who are to go into captivity, it says we'll go into captivity. Others will be in prison, you know. Rich and I and two and Lisa were talking the other day and Sarah came by a little bit later. We had a great time together. And, uh, but we were talking about, you know, persecution and what could be coming, you know, who knows in our lifetime or not, but we were talking about it. And Rich and I were talking about, hey, you know, we need to be ready to die. 
And I know when I was a young whippersnapper, young Christian man, I'll run to the mountains, you know, and, you know, and so forth. And, you know, because you can also, the scriptures talk about God protecting the woman in the wilderness, which is Israel. And who knows how many Christians, because Jesus told them to flee in Israel when they see the abomination of desolation. Amen. Okay. So a lot of believers, a lot of the church will be out uh, and be protected because he's going to go after the Jews first when he sets up. And then he goes after those who have the testimony of Jesus. After that, if you read Revelation, it starts with the Jews, then he moves to the church. Uh, He'll protect people in the wilderness too. But now I'm like, you know what? I told the Reds, I go, you know, I'm, you know, uh, I'm personally, you know, it's like, well, just cut my head off, you know? And Rich is like, yeah, I'm ready to just, they lock me up, you know, or whatever, you know? And you want to get to a place in your faith where you don't have to like freak out. Because guess what? If you lose your head, I've always said annihilation is glorification, Okay. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, okay? I just hope they use a sharp, you know, guillotine or whatever, you know? Hopefully, it's, sometimes you see those Arabs, it's really gross. It's like, like sawing the guy's head off, you know, which is kind of interesting what they do, how they kill people, you know? And it says, oh, we send gifts to each other when the two witnesses are dead. You know, the Muslims send gifts to each other when they kill Jews. They have big parties and they send gifts to each other. I thought, wow, it's all in the book of Revelation, man. What's coming? But it doesn't mean it's, it's tomorrow, okay? The temple's not rebuilt. We gave seven reasons in a podcast that aired last week. Uh, and if you just hear part of that podcast, you know, what the mark of the beast might be kind of thing, you're only hearing part of it. It's a th- there, it was put in three parts. If you, but if you missed the last part, I really encourage you to hear it because it's, is it the mark of the beast? I give seven biblical reasons that the vaccination is not the mark of the beast, okay? Absolutely not. However, keep listening I go into where it looks like this thing definitely could be headed, could be headed because of the technology and what they're wanting to do with it and so forth. And uh, so, uh, and I'm not this, you know, anti-vaxxer saying never, ever take a vaccination, you know. There's rabies vaccinations you can get that have chicken cells. They don't use baby cells and so forth. I mean, there's a lot of, you have to be wise though and prayerful. I say look at each one, but I mentioned before my message, you know, and you guys were already with me on live stream. Uh, that that is study out of Israel, 13 times more likely to get COVID if you've been vaccinated than those who have had COVID. 27 more times likely to have symptoms. Not just get COVID, 13 times, I'm sorry, more likely to be hospitalized if you've been vaccinated than those who have not been vaccinated who have had COVID. Yet, there is a lie right now going around the way the government, it's a lie of just not speaking about it. And acting like you're more dangerous if you've had COVID and you haven't been vaccinated. That's a lie. It's being perpetuated widely, okay? Like I said, that was an 1,800,000-person study. Amen? So you need to be wise about the times and where this is going. But I get into, okay, I get into Bill Gates, and I quote MIT website, that Bill Gates is financing MIT and Rice University, financing them to build a chip that can be put in your body so it can show whether or not you've been vaccinated or not, whether you've had your booster shots or not, updated and so forth, okay? And I quoted from MIT's website, okay? This isn't speculation. I quoted secular articles. This is, this is happening right now, guys. Pretty crazy, huh? Does that mean the vaccination is the mark of the beast? No. But does it mean the Social Security number wasn't the mark of the beast? People freaked out. So this is the mark of the beast. No, that wasn't. But all these things for years have been moving closer toward it. It's just that we happen to be way closer than we've ever been before. And right now, it's like, well, you know, a lot of places you can't buy or sell, you know. 
if you don't have the vaccination, even if you've had COVID and you're better off than those who are, have the vaccination, many of them who are spreading the disease. A lot of those who have been vaccinated are spreading the disease all over the place. And praise God, I'm not condemning you if you've been vaccinated. It's a, to me, it's a Roman 14 issue, you know? Let each person be persuaded in their own mind, amen? So man, there's people, I, we just talked about people dying who, in, that are connected to this fellowship. Paul Hatley is on a respirator. They may pull him off. No underlying conditions could die because he, and he did get the shot. Amen? Okay, so my, I, I'm not one of those guys. It's too easy to just be all on one side and then bias confirmation, only look on things on this side or all on the other side, only look on things on that side and ignore the evidence on the other side. What I do is I look at it all. I say, hmm, wow, there's a lot of older people that have had conditions who are dying of COVID, you know? So if somebody says, I took the, I have underlying conditions or I'm old and I took the vaccination, I'm not gonna say, I condemn you. My, who knows, you know, a lot of, by the way, those who, let's be honest, those who have been vaccinated that have underlying conditions and so forth, uh, many of them, if you go to the VAERS website, which is a government website of reporting, there's been about, you go read that, you just read through, it's reams and reams and reams and reams, hundred, over, I think over around 500 or more thousand people that have had adverse reactions. There's a reality of that too. However, let's also be honest about this. If you have been vaccinated and you are older and you get COVID, you're far less likely to go to the hospital and die of it. Unless you got COVID and you didn't get a vaccination and you survived it, right? So I'm not one of those guys that's saying, oh, it's wrong to get the vaccination and so forth. I believe each Christian needs to look at their own particular situation, amen, and needs to evaluate it and seek the Lord, amen, and make sure that they're not always just cherry-picking whatever studies on their side. To me, it's more nuanced, but for me, I do see a huge lie going on. Why is the government continuing? Why is the government continuing to act like everybody needs to be vaccinated? And that if you haven't been vaccinated, even though you've had COVID, you're more dangerous and you need to be than those who have been vaccinated. That is a lie. You're 13 times more likely to go to the hospital if you have been vaccinated than if you've had COVID and not been vaccinated. It's a, it's a reality. Are you hearing that over and over again? No, you're treated like the plague if you've had COVID and you haven't been vaccinated, even though you're way better off and you're way safer and you're way less likely to infect somebody because you're way less likely to get COVID again. Anyways, I didn't plan on getting on that, man. It's in my heart. So, uh, anyway, that's, a, by the way, the 800,000 person study I mentioned. You can just type it in. Just type in 800,000 people Israel study COVID and, and Google that. You'll, you'll see the study there. Now, there is this apostasy coming. And look what it says. In verse 9, then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will what? At that time, many will what? Many will fall away and will betray one another and will hate one another. Wow. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Watch out who you're listening to when things are getting crazy. They can steer you away from the scripture. Right now, we did a podcast on this that will probably air this week where a lot of Christians are uniting with pagans and New Agers saying, oh, let's align together and fight against this stuff. Don't be uniting with false religions, man. The book of Daniel in chapter 11, it talks about deceptions happening because there'll be those who will speak flatteries to Christians and join them, the believers. They'll speak flatteries, I think it's in chapter 11, and deceive them, Okay. Verse 12, because lawlessness has increased, the most, peop most people's love will what? Will grow cold. You know what? When divorce happens is when love grows cold. So we have to pray and not just love the person based on how they love us. Amen? 
We love them because we've made a commitment to love them until death, even when they're unloving. And the Lord always loves us. There's no reason for our love to grow cold toward him. Amen? Verse 13, but the one who endures the end, he will be what? He will be saved. Amen? He will be saved. Praise God. The one who endures to the finish line, right? The end, right? Not the one who comes up at the altar and, and, and starts to race. That's what many Baptists teach. You just start to race. Man, you won. You're in no matter what you do. Now you can take the mark of the beast, some of them say. That's wicked, man. That's from the pit of hell. But those who endure to the end, they will be saved. Verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And then in verse 15, so praise God, we com complete the Great Commission. We need, that's what we need to be about, amen? Then in verse 15, warns them about the abomination of desolation. Standing in the holy place, that's the Antichrist. So what does he have here? He has the fallen away. He has the Antichrist. And then in verses 29 through 31, immediately after the tribulation, he gathers his elect up. Just like Paul said, the same order that Paul gave. The same order that church believed for the first 1,800 years of church history, by the way. There's all, the church only believed in the second coming at the end of the age. And now there's you no know, divorce, premed or post for the first 1,800 years of church history. You'll never see a debate on it because people believed it was at the end of the age. It's Christ's second coming, not two second comings. So we need to be prepared for these things, and it's very, very important. Apostasy is coming. Richard A. Moeller, uh, in, in the Dictionary of Greek and Latin Theological Terms, describes apostasy as a, quote, willful falling away from or rebellion against Christianity. Apostasy is the rejection of Christ by one who has been a Christian. Okay? Now, it's interesting. This is what blows me away. In Matthew chapter 5, right? Jesus warns about, you know, divorce, and he says anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, okay? And you know what's interesting? In chapter 5, verse 21, it, uh, is the Greek word there for divorce. Guess what the word is? It's also in Matthew chapter 19. It's apostasion. Apostasion. Related to the word apostasia. The word divorce is apostasion. Okay? And it's related, as I mentioned, the Greek word apostasia. So when a man divorces his wife, he doesn't have biblical grounds. He just leaves her and says, I'm going to sleep with another woman. And, you know, I'm done with you. You know, uh, commits apostasion. Apostasia is coming. James chapter 4, verse 4 says, you adulteresses. Is he talking about women in the church that are committing adultery there? No, look at the context. He's talking to those who have fallen away from the faith. You adulteresses, he says, know you not, because we're the bride of Christ. Know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever makes himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Amen. By the way, they weren't enemies of God. You can't commit adultery if you haven't been married. Talk about the, the bride of Christ warning them, you adulteresses, no, you're not that friendship with the world is enemy of God. Whoever makes himself a friend of the world makes himself, you become an enemy of God. But notice that it's not God divorcing. It's us leaving him. Amen? Now, in Jeremiah 2.19, when there was Babylonians and a falling away was coming, he says, your wickedness will correct you and your apostasies will reprove you. Know therefore and see that it is evil and bitter. 
for you to forsake the Lord your God. And, that your dre- uh, and the dread of me is not in you, declares the Lord of hosts. When people commit apostasy, they don't have the dread of God. They don't fear God properly. They're being kind of like a drunk, not realizing what's going on around there. They don't realize they're under God's wrath if you're in rebellion to him because you've made yourself an enemy of God. And then in chapter 3, verse 8, he says, it's the next chapter, he says, And I saw for all the adulteries of faithless Israel, I had sent her away and given her a writ of divorce. I gave her a right in divorcement. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but she went and was a harlot also. So Israel went astray, and God gave her a right of divorcement. Judah did the same thing that Israel did. That's why later he says, I was a husband to you, but I'm going to make a new covenant with you. He's going to bring them back, give them an opportunity to come back. Amen. That's how good our God is. He's like, remember Hosea is a picture of, of the Lord. Gomer goes out, becomes a prostitute. He's waiting there. He'll, he'll accept her back. But uh, he has to pay for her to get back off the auction block because she's become a slave because she didn't recognize how bitter it would become and that's what happened. And then he bought her back and that's a picture of the new covenant, God becoming a man and the person of Jesus like Hosea. His name means God is salvation. Yes, Hosea has a similar meaning in his name and God becomes a man and he welcomes the Jews and the Gentiles, amen. Welcomes his bride, come back under a new covenant because he can't bring them back under the old covenant. He states that in Deuteronomy 24 and he states that actually in Jeremiah chapter three when he says, I give you right in divorcement. He says he can't bring them back based on Deuteronomy 24 pretty heavy. So he has to become a man and die for their sins to create a whole new covenant so they can come back. Well, guess what? That covenant is offered to all of us. Amen. The precious blood of Christ was shed for us. Now there are various means of apostasy that you and I have to watch out for. Okay. Some of the main means are this temptation. That's one of the ways that many people fall away from the Lord. Okay. Those on rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while. And a time of temptation, Jesus said, they fall away. So we have to watch out for temptation. Amen? We have to watch out for temptation, brothers and sisters. Amen? Uh, the temptation could be sexual morality. It could be covetousness, greed. It could be idolatry. It can come in many, many ways. Brothers and sisters, do not throw away the eternal salvation you have in Christ don't throw away a relationship with Jesus Christ, amen? And for that which is eternal, for that which is temporal and passing away, which ends up in eternal darkness forever. Do not fall for that temptation. In fact, you know when James says, you adulteresses in chapter four, verse four, know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God, whoever makes himself a friend of the world makes himself enemy of God. You know what he goes on to say? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you, right? And because what's going on? When you resist the Lord and draw near the devil, you're in his camp. You can, it's not like, I'll just leave Jesus and do my own thing. No, you're under Satan's power, man. He that's not with me is against me, Jesus said. If you're not for Christ, you're antichrist. Can't drink the table of the Lord or eat the table of the Lord at the table of the devils. It's demonic. It's Satan that seeks to leave you astray. And when you leave him and forsake him, you are under Satan's domain. When you divorce the Lord, you marry the devil. Okay? You understand that? When you, when you divorce Jesus, apostasia, you marry the devil, okay? And you're in a relationship with the devil. And we need to know the truth about what's going on here because the scriptures warn that you're either under God's power or under Satan's power. There's no neutral ground. Oh, there's this neutral zone. No, there's not, okay? It's very, very important that we get this and we understand this. And 
that, that this is so real. So not just temptations, but persecutions. One way Satan uses the thing he uses persecutions or temptations. Another thing he uses persecutions, and they're coming in our country. I mean, look at what's happening. Do you realize if the far left was in control, ultimately what they'd be doing to us and what they'd be making us do and what hoops they'd be having us go through, and ultimately there'd be a, a enforcement of a denial of Christ with many of them because a lot of them hate Jesus. In fact, it says in the parable of the sower again, it speaks of another soil that they only are temporary and that when trials or persecution arise because of the word, because of the Lord's word, immediately they fall away. So people fall away because of temptations, but they also fall away because of trials and persecution. That's where the cowardly come in. Amen. That's why you must be, when, you're, when the devil rages, you need to stick close to Jesus. And Jesus said to the church at Thyatira, who had some problems, but there were those who remained faithful. He says, under the angel of Thyatira, of the church at Thyatira, right? These things saith he that hath a sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, where Satan's seat is, or throne is. The Greek word is thronos, where his throne is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even those days where an Antipas was my faithful martyr. Okay, where Satan dwelleth. And he says it again. You guys, Satan was dwelling in Thyatira at that time. And I don't have time to explain that. It has to do with Domitian, the, the emperor who's being worshipped there and the big statue of Zeus, the head of the Greek pantheon, was all the, the uh, representation of Satan's power there in Thyatira. And Antipas was probably put to death by Domitian for not worshipping the emperor and the Greek gods. We don't know exactly how that shook out, but he remained faithful. And Jesus, Jesus knows his name. When Stephen's being killed and persecuted and stoned to death, what does Jesus do? Stephen sees him standing up. Jesus sitting, sitting at the right hand of the Father, but he sees him standing up at the right hand of the Father. Amen? When we go through persecution, recognize that Jesus knows your name. Amen? That he loves you. And if you confess his name before men, amen, he'll confess yours before the Father. Amen? You need to keep your faith in him. You need to put your, eye on him and your eyes on him and keep them on him and be faithful to death. Like the church of Smyrna, Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2, you remember that? You, to the church of Smyrna, he said, you will have tribulation 10 days. Be thou faithful unto death. And he says, the devil's going to cast you into prison. Satan's behind a lot of persecution, guys. Pretty well, most of it, right? If not all of it. You know, the devil's going to cast somebody into prison. Chapter 2, verses 7, 8, 9, 10. 9, 10, he says, uh, he'll cast into prison. Or I'm sorry, uh, you have tribulation 10 days. Be thou faithful unto death. And I will give you what? The crown of life. And then he goes on to promise he that overcomes meaning he's faithful to death, I will not, will not be hurt by the second death. That's the lake of fire. Revelation 21.8, who goes to the lake of fire? The first one on the list, the cowardly, those who recant their faith under persecution. Brothers and sisters, right now, I'm encouraging, I'm challenging in the name of Jesus Christ, man. Make sure you fortify your faith in Christ. You grow and you're strengthened and you're empowered uh, through reading his word and the word of God abiding in you, amen, through being in person of prayer, amen, through being unstained by the wickedness of the world, by fellowshipping one another with one another in Christ Jesus, amen. Uh, so you don't fall away. You don't become among the cowardly, okay? This is all very, 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 very important. It's important as well because the Hebrew Christians were being persecuted radically. And in chapter 10 verse 26, he warns them because they were going to leave Christ and go into a life of just rebellion and back to the synagogues because they didn't want to be persecuted by the Jews in the first century. And he says in chapter 10 verse 26, if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but only a fearful indignation of fire indignation which will devour the enemies of God. 
So there no longer remains that sacrifice we relied on. Now there's just the indignation of God because he talks about if you trample it foot the blood of Christ by which you were sanctified, those who were sanctified by the blood, okay? And you insult the spirit of grace and you commit apostasy, right? He says it's a terrible thing to fall in the hands of the living God there. But you know how to offset that so it doesn't happen? You know how to, what application you need to make to your life? Listen to Hebrews 10, right before that, verses 23 through 25, right before he goes into that strong warning, he says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful, and let us consider how to stir or stimulate one another up to love and good deeds. Man, we're supposed to think about, how can I encourage my brothers and sisters? Don't just sit there like a bump on a log, be an encouragement, man. So many people that are on the live stream, they get involved in encouraging one another because a lot of them can't be, they can find fellowship and encourage one another, love one another, right? In this fellowship, encourage one another, love one another. And then he says in verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, but encouraging one another, but encouraging one another. Are you doing that? And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Ooh, I see the day drawing near. I need to do it even more. Amen. Not less. We need to be about the Lord's business more. And the more you're encouraging what your brothers and sisters in Christ, the more you're being encouraged. Amen? Don't say, well, I want to be encouraged more. Well, hopefully you're being encouraged right now, man. But you know what? If you get involved in obeying the Lord, he'll take care of encouraging you enough. You'll get through things. Don't worry. He loves you. Amen? But you need to be a source of encouragement, not saying, how come I'm not being encouraged by this brother or by this sister? No. How many, how many people aren't you encouraging that are saying the same thing that you could be encouraging? Let's make sure we're encouraging one another. Amen? So don't have a fear of the future either, guys. Because if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you can endure anything. Amen? If you don't have your eyes on Jesus, ah, you're going to sink like Peter did when he took his eyes off of Jesus and put on the waves. Amen? And the waves are a picture of the world system in the book of Revelation. The sea, you know. And Jesus said when the sea is raging, in the tribu- right? And he says it in, in Luke 21, in Mark, Matthew 24, Mark 13, if you put it all together, you'll see that he says people's hearts will fail them for fear of things coming on the earth. But Jesus said for what we're to do as believers is look up when we see these things and know that our redemption is drawing closer, amen? It's drawing near. In fact, I love the Proverbs 31 woman, man. She's like the ideal, you know, personification of God's wisdom and what it means to walk in that wisdom. And we read, strength and dignity are her clothing and she smiles at the future. Catch that? She smiles at the future. Even though the same book, Proverbs, says the world's getting darker and darker. But the believer becomes and the righteous become brighter and brighter. How do you smile at the future? You look to Jesus. Jesus had to face the cross. Nothing was worse than the cross, amen? As far as going through anguish and pain. But it says in Hebrews 12, for the joy set before me during the, he endured the cross. We need to look to Jesus. We need to look at the finish line, amen? If you get the eyes off the finish line and you get onto the deceptions and the dainties and the temptations and the persecutions and all these things and the deceptions, you'll be radically, you'll fall away. You'll fall away. So there's temptation. That's one of the main sources of apostasy, right? There is persecution. That's another main source of apostasy. And number three, there is deception coming. Huge deception. And we'll only spend a few minutes on it, but I want to warn you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul says, concerning our wedding, our being wedded to him, he says, I betrothed you to one husband as unto Christ. But he says, I fear that we would be deceived, he says, 
the church at Corinth there, which by extension we need to apply it to ourselves and say, this happened to me, from our simple devotion to Christ. He warns about that. You've been engaged, you've been betrothed to one husband to Christ. We're engaged to him. But he warns if another Jesus comes, he's concerned that you might accept it. Another gospel, you might believe it. Another spirit, you might receive it. He warns about that because he goes on to say that Satan comes as the angel of light. Amen? He is a deceiver. And right now there's mass deception going around the church. People are joining together with the enemy left and right. I mean, the, the, the TV show The Chosen, you know? The guy that put that together, it's very popular among Christians, you know? And I'm not saying if you watch The Chosen, you're down because uh, it's got some moving episodes and so forth. But watch the end game, though, too. Got to watch the big picture. Jenkins, who is the son of Peter Jenkins, who co-wrote the Left Behind series with Tim LaHaye. And Peter Jenkins, by the way, said that if you take the mark of the beast, you'll still have the seal of God. Don't worry. He didn't say don't worry, but that's basically what he's saying. You'll still have the seal of God in your forehead. You'll never lose the seal of God if you take the mark of the beast. Woo! My Bible says anyone who takes the mark of the beast is damned. Yours says the same thing, Mark? Yeah, we have, you know, we all, amen. <laughs> that was good. Absolutely. All of ours say the same thing, you know. And, but his son is the one doing that program, but he's joined together with Mormons to pull it all off. They're producing it together. And then he says, I'll die on this hill that the Mormons are Christians too. They have a totally different Jesus, a different spirit, a different gospel. In their gospel, everybody's saved except a few people that are sons of perdition. Wrong. In their gospel, the Mormon gospel, you know what? Guess what? It says, a di- when they hand you the Mormon deal, it says a different gospel of Jesus Christ right on the front of it, man. And Paul says, I marvel. So if you look at the Mormon temple, you'll see the Moroni, the angel, right? And it's, it's these big buildings and so forth. And he's proclaimed, he got this, this gospel of Joseph Smith. It's supposed to be the, a, a restoration of the old gospel, which by the way, there didn't need to be a restoration of the gospel. You know why? Because in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. He never prevailed against the church. It didn't need to be started up again through Joseph Smith. Amen. But Joseph Smith put a prophecy at the end of the book of Genesis about himself. His dad's name will be Joseph, you know, and, about, and he's coming in the future. That is not in any Jewish manuscript, any manuscript of the Bible in the Old Testament. And then this angel Moroni has brought this gospel, which is really a different gospel. And you know what the Bible says? Paul says, I marvel that you're so quickly removed from him in the Galatians 1.6 to receive another gospel from the grace of Christ to another gospel, which is really not a different gospel. But if we or an angel from heaven preach another gospel to you, then that which we preach, let him be accursed. Okay, the Bible warns about these things. Amen? A different gospels, different Jesus. And the Jesus of the Bible, you know who he is? He's a creator of all things without beginning, without end, without beginning the days, it says in Hebrews. Amen? And in, in Mormonism, Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer who had a better plan than Lucifer in the spirit world among the different spirit brothers and God just took his plan, you know, and sent him. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. You know what the Bible says the Jesus of the Bible? Isaiah 44, 6, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and has rede- his Redeemer. I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. In Mormonism, there's all kinds of gods. Isaiah 43, 10, You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he, that before me there is no God for me, neither shall there be after me. There's one God in true Christianity, amen? Not many gods and we become gods and this is the plan of the gospel of Mormonism that we can become gods. 
even potentially rule over our own planet. It's called the progression of the gods. That's not the biblical message. So we have to be aware and we have to be on guard against all kinds of deceptions that are growing. And especially if you don't love the truth, how do you, how do you overcome temptation? The first thing that I mentioned, the first set of means by which the enemy seeks to deceive us, first of all, the first thing you do is you, man, you cry out to God and pray. And you recognize that you don't have the strength in your own power to overcome temptation. That's why I mentioned earlier, Jesus says, pray that you do not enter into temptation. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen. Jesus said, when we pray the Lord's prayer that he gave us, he said, part of the prayer is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You pray, you cry out to God. You fill yourself with the word of God. Young man, you're strong because, you have, uh, because the word of God dwells in you. Young man, you're strong in 1 John chapter 2. Amen. And you've overcome the perneron, the evil one, because the word of God abides in you. Amen. That's awesome. Devour God's word. Pray to him. Seek him. Love him. Amen. How do you overcome temptation? You also recognize that there's no temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that's overtaken us than that which is common to man. You're going through what everybody else has gone through and every, all kinds of people are going through, amen? And sometimes you're going through certain trials that a lot of people haven't, but other people have, and they've endured, and that God is faithful with the temptation that says you also give you a way of escape that you may be able to endure it, amen? So don't think, oh, it's just inevitable. No, you just need to seek Jesus and you'll get through your temptation, amen? How do you get through persecution? The first, second thing we mentioned, the second means of people committing apostasy and divorcing the Lord, you fear God more than man. Jesus says, don't fear man who can destroy the body, but fear God who can destroy body and soul in hell. Amen. You fear the Lord first. You let him, you recognize that you're going to face eternal judgment. You'd much rather have your head cut off because you don't take the mark of the beast or because some Muslims told you to deny Jesus. I'd re you'd rather be killed here and live eternally. Amen. Than deny the Lord, take the mark of the beast and then... Well, the world accepts me. Then you go to hell forever. So how do you overcome deception? You love Jesus, man. You love the truth. Amen? You love the truth. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, when it mentions people, you know, falling away, he warns about the unbelievers, how God gives them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. What lie? That the Antichrist is God? God lets it happen. He understands. He knows it's going to happen. It's part of his plan to let it happen. And you know why they believe the lie, it says? Because they refused to love the truth but had pleasure in wickedness. Don't refuse to love the Lord's truth. You know, people that even have known the truth, all of a sudden they'll make excuses about the truth and say, well, I don't believe anymore. Because you can usually just follow them around. You'll find out it's because they're in some kind of rebellion or sin against God. Because the more you read God's word, the more you study his word, and I've been doing it for years, the more you fall in love with him, the more you realize his word is true and, and, and you grow in your faith. And you have to make sure, you, because the Bible warns that the love of many will grow cold, amen? Rev Matthew chapter 24, and in 2 Thessalonians, uh, we're not starting yet, Luke, in 2 Thessalonians chapter four, we're doing normal time right now because we had a 20 minute testimony, so I'm going a little bit over. So, lo love you, Luke, you know? Just like his, his mom, which is my older sister, she always gave me little hints. You know, no, just kidding. Just teasing. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm on a roll, and uh, I'm almost done. But it, the scriptures warn they'll be without family love. They'll be lovers of self, and be without storge, family love, right? They'll, be with, they'll fall away from the truth, the love, the agape of many will grow cold. Guess what you need to do? You need to make sure you're doing. You need to make sure that you're growing in the love of God. How do I grow in the love of God? Because guess what? You can't leave your first love. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus, he, he warns, right? And then 2.4, he says, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. How do you get back to your first love? Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. 
and repent and do what you did at first, amen? Remember where you fell from. Remember how much he loves you. Remember what he's done for you, amen? Think about how awesome our God is and divorcing him, what a betrayal that is. He's only been good to you. He's only been good to me. He's never done evil. He's incapable of doing evil, amen? With him, he changes not. There's no shadow of turning within him, it says in James 1. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father in heaven, from the Father above. It's all good. He's only pure goodness. If I turn from him, what a, how ugly is that? I become a monster because I'm just, now there's just darkness. Because you turn from the light, there's just darkness. He didn't have to die for you. He didn't have to die for me. He didn't have to become a man in the first place, right? He could have said, you know what? These guys have just rebelled against me. They've hardened their hearts. They're living a life of sin and rebellion. I can just let them, go. I'm just going to let them go on their way into evil, into outer darkness. Because they're separating from the light. And it's outer darkness forever and ever. And they'll be in that torment forever and ever eternal judgment. I'm just going to let that happen. He could have just done, did that. He didn't have to come become a man. Amen. He didn't have to die for you or me. Amen. But the Bible says while we were yet sinners. Amen. Scriptures say that Christ died for us. Open your heart up to his love. Amen. And when you start to see his love, I mean, look at what he did. I mean, when Peter is sleeping in the Garden of Gethsemane and the disciples are sleeping and it's snoring away, you know, and the buzz saws are going, he's told them to pray. What's he doing? He's sweating, man. Drops of blood. He's praying ultimately for them because he's praying so he can go to the cross to die for them, amen? And through the sweat and the tears, he continues to cry out for them. Didn't have to do any of that. That's amazing, incredible love, Amen. And then when he's being tried and he goes to court, the courtyard, there's Peter denying him three times. And then through the veil of his tears and, 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 and blood and so forth, he looks at Peter and Peter sees his loving face and it says Peter wept bitterly, amen? He still continued to love him, amen? And he continues to love you no matter where you're at. No matter what you've fallen into, he loves you. He says even to them in Jeremiah 3 after he says he's given them a right in divorcement to come back to him. Well, how you just said, you've written the divided divorcement and we're unclean and we can't. Well, yeah. Chapter 31, you keep reading the book. He's going to make a new covenant with them. Not like the covenant he made with their fathers at Mount Sinai, he says. But a covenant we based on him forgiving them. Amen. Ultimately, how you persevere to the end, through temptation, through deceptions, through persecution, is by keeping your eye on Jesus. The Bible says, don't follow the example of those who fell. Hebrews chapter 4. But it says, and imitate those who have inherited the promises. Hebrews chapter 6, after it warns about those who've fallen away. It says, imitate those who've inherited the promises. Amen? And that's what Hebrews 11 about is about. It gives us all kinds of people to focus on and to see the promises that they inherited because it says they all died in the faith. Look to those who, as examples around you, who are persevering. Fellowship with them. Encourage one another. Amen? But ultimately, Hebrews 12, right after the Hall of Faith chapter, Hebrews 11, says, looking unto him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Looking to Jesus, who for the joy set before him had endured the cross. Amen? He says, none of you have yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Because none of them were martyrs, otherwise they wouldn't be receiving the letter, right? But Jesus shed his blood. But Jesus shed his blood when he didn't have to. He did it because he loves us, amen? And we need to love him back, amen? Be Don't be a coward, amen? Don't be a coward. He's coming back for a bride, bright and clean, without spot or wrinkle. He's not coming back for a whore, Okay? 
the whore of Babylon is mentioned. She's called the whore of Babylon in Revelation chapter 18. Come out of her, that whore, we're told in verse 4 and 5. Lest you partake of her sins and her plagues. Amen. Don't love the world and be a spiritual adulteress. Amen. Be faithful to Christ to the end. And if we recognize and look at him, how he shed his blood, he didn't even have to for the joy set before him. We keep our eyes focused on him. He will give us strength. Amen. And we will persevere to the end. Amen. And we'll be crowned with the crown of righteousness. Amen. And we will have eternal life, even as we have now. But don't forsake. Don't forsake the Lord. Don't commit spiritual divorce against him. Hold fast to the end. Amen. Praise God. He shed his blood for us. That's how we're saved. Let's pass out the cup and the bread in remembrance of him and remember and continue to look at what he did on our behalf. Amen. Because the Bible says we love him because what? You want to make sure you don't fall out of love with the Lord? Remember what he did for you. We love him because he first loved us. Amen. Focus on the cross. Focus on Jesus. Focus on his great goodness for us. Amen.